Let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you. Uh, the study we've been having in the, the uh, scriptures that we find in Acts have truly been a blessing. It's just neat to see how you're stirring up hearts, and uh, we want to be doers of your word. So we just pray once again as we consider uh, this morning, uh, church, God, and how the early church began, and, and we believe that we, uh, as your kids, Father, look to your word for uh, instruction. Uh, we want to we wanna follow your guideline and uh, uh, receive from you. So we just pray for wisdom this morning as uh, we look into this. We ask in your name. Amen. So last week we saw Peter go off, right? <laughs> 3,000 people get saved. We could say the first church was a mega church, right? <laughs> Huge. Uh, the key really to any size church is that there's a real community unity among the brothers and sisters that's what church is about no matter what the size may be and church is both about quantity and quality um do we want our church to grow absolutely why because we want people to come to know jesus christ don't we um and that's that's what's been happening the last two thousand years so the two should never be separated a healthy church usually is one that is growing uh so we'll uh check out uh this morning this this church plant okay all these people get saved churches now uh come together what does it look like what does church look like um there 2000 years ago the first church so we're going to pick it up this morning in acts chapter 2 uh verse 42 through 47 is what we're going to cover today so let's take a read through here and they these who had just come to faith in Christ, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this is the first church in Jerusalem. I wish I could get a hold of their minutes, of the records from the early church there. What was important to them? You see, this text before us gives exactly what it was. It contains the germ of the early church, the New Testament concerning Christian community. And really, verse 42 here, brothers and sisters, gives us the four pillars that will, will prop up the church for centuries to come. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. I call this the DFBP, doctrine, fellowship, bread, prayer. Pretty simple, right? 
So we're going to consider these together this morning. And the first one we're going to look at is doctrine. Okay, doctrine, it's divine truth, isn't it? It's the scriptures. It's God breathed. It's his word. Okay, and divine truth for both light for our mind and food for our heart. You see, there is no church life possible apart from giving prominence to the word of God. It's simply learning more about God. We get to experience God. We get to believe. We get to read. We get to live uh, his word. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. I love the Bible. You guys know that. It's part of our DNA here at Freedom Fellowship. It's always going to be a big part of what we do here. Yesterday I got to fellowship, took in a great conference. There was a ministry. You know how you go to uh, conferences and they have a bunch of booths set up and different things going on? Well, there's a ministry that kind of sparked my interest. And I asked specifically, it was a camp for men. I'm like, what makes this camp unique? What's different from a normal men's retreat weekend with you guys? Well, we don't emphasize the Bible too much. All right there, I was just turned off. I'm just like, okay, you're Christians, you love the Lord, but you're not going to emphasize the word of God. I don't even want to get together. Like, what's the point in going? You know, honestly, I've been looking um, for a pastor's conference to go to. I've been online. I've checked out probably 30, 40 different ones that are going on in 2017. And as I've been looking, I'm like, it'd be so cool if there would be a conference that would just take a book of the Bible, dive in deep, because they all have their different themes and their subjects. And I just want to be like, hey, let's just get into God's word. Like, it'd be so cool. Hey, we're going to have a conference just on the book of Thessalonians. How cool would that be to dive in, take a couple days and just really dig into what God had spoken and go deep with it. It would be rich. It would be so good. Anyways, um, we like the word here. Amen? Amen. Amen. So Jesus asked the 12, do you also want to go away? And what did Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. So you guys see the safeguard when it comes to putting the word of God is one of the most important parts of church. It's a safeguard, especially for those who are new in the Lord. Okay, new converts, uh, this is a safeguard against the danger of error. Okay, we're to know the truth. And we know in the last days, the teachers are going to be heaped up. There's going to be a lot of false teaching that's out there. And that's why we need the word of God to keep us safe from that. I met with a brother. He doesn't fellowship here. I got together with him on Tuesday for coffee. And he's been getting together. He loves the Lord. He's been diligently seeking uh, him through his word, growing in the word of God. It's just been awesome what God's been doing in this man and how he's been growing. But he's been getting together with a, a group of believers that aren't part of the church that he goes to. And they've been having fellowship together. And the last time they got together, it came out that, hey, baptism for us, it's a really important thing. You can't be saved unless you get baptized you know, and as I was talking with my brother, he's just, and he understands, he believes the scriptures, what we believe here at Freedom, that we're saved by grace alone. It's not by any works, okay? Getting yourself wet isn't going to save you. Jesus Christ is going to save you. The Bible's very clear. Now, there are a lot of texts that people go to. They have their little bitty proof texts, right? 
hey, look at this scripture. See this one scripture right here? This is going to prove to you what I believe. And you ignore the rest of scripture. And brothers and sisters, we need to study the whole of scripture. Genesis to Revelation. And as we were talking, he brought up Calvinism. The same thing. Because he's like, I don't get it. This baptism thing. They go to a couple of verses, but they don't want to read the whole. And then he said the exact same thing about Calvinists. They want to believe this. They have their pet doctrines. But you have to ignore everything else. And when you have a whole of something, when God speaks so much about something, and you ignore all of that just to hold to something, there's a danger in that. There's a danger. And that's why we need to study to show ourselves approved, guys. And that's why we take the Word of God seriously. My hope is, if the Lord tarries, that we as a fellowship get through the entire Bible. Okay? Uh, some of you guys who are a little older in the Lord are going to see Jesus before we do that, probably. Uh, we're 10 years in at Freedom Fellowship, and most of what we've done is just verse by verse. And there's still a lot of books we haven't done yet. So it's going to take a little while. But it's one of those things we want to take the Word of God serious. And that's something we see in the early church. And they did this. They would go from house to house. Did you guys catch that there? They were daily in the Word. And that's something that we need to do ourselves. And I encourage you guys, there's so much we've been given. You know, the resources we have just because of the Internet today. You know, I think we get sidetracked because of it. There's so many tools for us to study, to get to know God better, to know his word better. I encourage you guys, if that's your main diet, all that other stuff that someone has come up with, you're missing a sweet, just a sweet opportunity to just sit before your maker. Just have a heart that's open, a Bible that's open, hot cup of coffee if you like coffee <laughs> but there's just something when you're just able to spend that time just with him and his word and allow your heart just god teach me speak to me i'm open we need to be doing that guys we need to be hearing from him so i encourage you guys to invest in the word of god take it seriously invest into the word engage in the word of God. It is a treasure, isn't it? We're told in Proverbs, seek knowledge above all things. And where does knowledge come from? It comes from God. He's spoken it to us. He doesn't want us to be foolish in this life. He wants us to be wise. I encourage you guys, dig in. There's nothing. Silver and gold doesn't even compare to the word of God. But we run after silver and gold, don't we? Don't we? Heard a brother yesterday use the illustration. If you guys had three days and there was $10,000 buried just a foot or two underneath the ground in your backyard, 10, did I say 1,000? He said million, 10 million. <laughs> $10 million. What would you do for the next three days? Yeah. And here we have the word of God, guys, right here. Dig into the word. Let it speak to you. Something else we see out of Acts 2.42 is fellowship. Okay? Our church is called what? Freedom Fellowship. Okay? 
We don't call it like we have a sign out there, church. We just want to make it clear to the community. I don't think Freedom Fellowship's even on there. It's just a church. We want the community to know what we are, you know, who we are. Hey, we're we're the body of Christ. Okay. We're we're doing church here. We are the church. Um, but we have named ourselves Freedom Fellowship. And we are a church in Kakana. Okay. Not of Kakana. We are of God. We're in Kakana for a reason. But there's a reason why we call ourselves a fellowship, okay? That's what we've been given. And there is something that we need to grab a hold of biblically when it comes to what the scriptures teach about fellowship. First of all, Christianity is first individual, isn't it? Okay? Um, then it's social, it's communal, it's community. Christ first attaches the soul to himself. Then there's a connection between one another and him. That's inevitable. It just happens. Okay, I love it. Um, yesterday, I'm at a men's conference. There must have been 40 different churches represented. You know, and I got to talk with dozens and dozens of people. And I just found myself, you guys know how I call you brother, sister? You know, I don't know these guys. They don't go to church with me. But they're in Christ. And there's just that unity in the spirit. I'm like, bro, we're <laughs> just encouraging each other. It's just like instantly because we both are born again of the Spirit of God, there is that sweet fellowship, that intimacy that you can't get with non-believers. You know, it just happens. You can bump into a believer in a grocery store and sit and chat for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just about God is so good, and you he's a total stranger. Who are you? Well, I'm a child of God. Oh, you too? Yay, let's talk Jesus! You know, there's just a sweetness in that. So, it also, fellowship keeps us growing both growing vertically with God and horizontally with each other at the same time. And God wants us to grow, doesn't he? We're to grow. A lot of Christians come to the saving faith, but they never mature in Christ. They never grow up. They're still spiritual babies, and they've been saved for decades. You see, we're called to be growing. And this is an area where we need to really absorb as a a, a fellowship, as a church family here, new families that come in, new babes in Christ. We've got to be in a place that we're welcoming them in here, okay? Because that's exactly what the early church did. Hey, you're a believer, you're in. And I think a lot of times churches, especially when you're a smaller church, we know each other. And, oh, you're a new person here. We want to check you out for a while. We want to see where you're at with the Lord. No, you're in the body of Christ. You belong. Fellowship is needed. So we need to be, as a church family, very welcoming in uh, bringing those people in. Fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia. How many of you guys have heard of that word before? Koinonia. It means to partner, to share, to have a common interest. A deep association. So it's really a partnership that requires participation. Okay, Some of you guys are part of Freedom Fellowship, but you don't feel like you're a part of the fellowship of freedom because you're not participating. Okay, Earlier, there's a sister that's been coming to church for a couple months. They're new to the church. Got to talk with her on Wednesday. She's loving Freedom Fellowship. She's just, just clicking. I haven't had this at a church before. This is so unique and so special. And I had to encourage her, sister, you're putting yourself out there. You're going to prayer. You're going to the different things that are offered. 
you're serving at the pantry. You're just around. You know, it's there. And for you guys that feel like maybe you're not connecting, I got to ask, are you there? Are you putting yourself out there? Are you making a point to participate? So fellowship, it's needed. It's a relationship. It's not an activity. It's not just being social. It's not a superficial friendliness. It's relationship. If you are in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. So you might know someone who's pleasant, friendly, kind. You pass some time with them. No disputes, no quarrels. But it's not fellowship. You see, fellowship, there's something that's spirit, it's spiritually organic. You guys understand what I'm saying when I say that? There's something developing gradually, very naturally in a community. Look at verse 44 here. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They shared what was common, and that was what? Jesus, right? It's Jesus. And now they also had the Holy Spirit in their life. So it's a family issue when we think about fellowship. If you leave a human father or mother for my sake, it's all right, Jesus said. You'll have fathers, mothers, a hundredfold uh, in this present life. You will have a new family. And that's really what's meant by fellowship. So it's meeting together with the family to learn about God's word. It's meeting together with the family to have fellowship with them. It's meeting together with the family to break bread with them. It's meeting with the family to pray together. There are some of you who have never been to a prayer meeting. You've been in the Lord for years. You've never just gone to a prayer meeting. We see it here. This is what Christians do together. We should pray together. We should take every opportunity. I get bummed when I leave a conversation with a brother or sister. I'm like, man, I just had an opportunity. We talked about some real life things and we didn't get to pray together about that. Man, take that moment. You know, it doesn't have to be long. You know, just take that moment. Pray together. Pray for each other. I love 1 John 3.14. It says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. You guys ever hear of a Christian who says, Hey, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. It's His church. That doesn't work together. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. How can you love Jesus and not love His bride? You know? It just doesn't work. So people that don't participate in church are really saying, hey, I love the saints, I just can't stand being around them. 3,000 were converted, and they joined the fellowship. Nothing could keep them away. Love for their brethren had become one of the biggest and the deepest things in their life, stronger even than their earthly ties. So the proof of Christianity is that it changes people, it gives them new birth, and they belong to a new family. So this corporate aspect is supreme importance because unattached Christian life is impossible. Um, something that was really cool, um, the word saints that's used here, or in the New Testament, every time you read saints, it's never used in the singular. Have you guys ever caught that in Scripture? There's no one referred specifically, he is a saint. Never. 
you guys understand why fellowship is so important? We are the saints of God, okay? And there's fellowship together in that. So, um, I'm going to share this real quick. It just popped in my mind. Um, how many of you guys got to have, what do you call the party after, a graduation party, after you graduate from high school? Um, I had a graduation party, and we had, I forget which park it was at. We had a party at a park. It was a long time ago. She was glad I can make you guys feel old this morning. Uh, do you remember, Dan? No. We, we all know which park it is. We can find the park. We just don't remember the name of it. No. Um, no. No, that wasn't it. But anyways, um, I shared a few weeks back um, how I got baptized in the Spirit. Uh, that happened two months before I graduated from high school. So I'm at the end. Yay, finally, it's over. Um, but during that time, it was just a couple months before I graduated from high school that I got plugged into a church, a new church, a church I didn't grow up in, a church that had young people. It was exciting. They became my friends instantly. We were hanging out every single night. And I remember um, at the graduation party, all my new friends, just two months my friends from school, you know, 14 years, you know, all the way through, knew my whole life, you know, some of them came out, but most of the people that showed up were these new friends in Christ. Like instantly, where did all these people come from? It's the body of Christ. I've only known them a couple months and there's so many of them. And I remember one of my friends asking like, who are all these people? How do you know? I know you. How do you know all these people? <laughs> it's because of Jesus. And there's just a unity there. And to be honest, all those friends that came out that don't know Jesus, I don't even really know where they're at today, what they're up to. But most of those friends that I just knew for two months that were in Christ, I know where most of them are today, what they're up to who their wives and husbands are, that they have kids now and they're still walking with Jesus. And, you know, there's just something. And when Jesus talks about that reality of family in Christ, it's real. You know, I have brothers in Christ I feel close to, way closer to than my biological brothers. But that's that spiritual reality when the Bible talks about being born again of the Spirit. You know, Spirit discerns Spirit. There's a connection there. And it's hard to have any type of fellowship or realness with somebody that's a non-believer. Not that you can't. We have those relationships. But you guys know what I'm talking about. When you're in Christ, there's just a depth, a reality that you just can't go with or to with a non-believer. Um, sorry, I'm sidetracked. Anyways, let's consider the 3,000. Um, they're, they're converted. They joined fellowship. Uh, nothing could keep them away. Okay, love for their brethren, very important. Um, oh, let's talk about this. This was this is fun. Did you guys know that one third of the fruit of the spirit spoken of in uh, uh, Galatians uh, can't be done uh, without association with other believers? Have you guys ever caught that before? Think about this. Three are Godward, right? Love, peace, joy. That's, that's God, correct? And then we have three that are man-word, okay? We long-suffering. Do we have to be long-suffering towards God? 
No, he's perfect. <laughs> but with one another, okay, we're imperfect and God's called us. Hey, love each other. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay, you need to be long-suffering towards one another. There needs to be kindness. There needs to be goodness. Okay, we need to do that. And then the third, of course, is inward. There needs to be a faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And again, guys, we see the importance of fellowship. We need to be together. And fellowship is a safeguard for new converts against the danger of coldness. Okay? God has given us life and life abundantly. We're not to forsake the assembling together. There's something that God does in believers getting together. Okay? Does it matter how old you are? No. How young you are? No. <laughs> we are the body of Christ. We need each other. We need to invest. We need to engage in fellowship. And I want you guys, as we consider these things this morning, what do you need to do personally? You know, how can you invest more into what God is asking of you? Um, something I'm going to pass around right now. Uh, you guys who um, have been around Freedom for a while are familiar with something called Koinonia Cuisine. Okay, how many of you guys have done that before? All right, a few of you guys. Well, a lot of you guys have not. So I'm going to explain it to you guys. Koinonia, again, is the Greek word for fellowship. Now, there are a lot of people in the church that don't know each other. Even being a little church, there's a lot of us that still don't know one another. What we're going to try to do, and what we've done in the past, we've done a handful of these through the years. We normally try to get it accomplished in three or four months' time, but we sign up. And then we try to put you together with uh, three other couples, six other people, whatever. We'll have couples and singles mixed in together. But what we do in fellowship is we get together over a meal. And oftentimes someone will share their testimony during that time. It's an opportunity to get to know one another. Um, I know you guys. I pray for you guys. But there's some of you guys I don't know well. And there's just something when you go to somebody's house, you actually see where they live. You sit down with them over a meal in their home. There's like a whole other depth that happens real quick. Like, whoa, I know... I see you with your kids. I see you with your spouse. I, I get more of who you are, okay? And there, it's, it's good for us to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to sign up. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, we'll get sign-ups over the next two or three weeks, and then we'll break you up into groups, and then you guys will be in charge on your own to set up times with your group. We'll do it emails so everybody can connect that way and everybody can see what everybody else is able to do and work out. But you set up maybe a Friday night. Hey, let's get together and we'll do it at our house. Oh, great. I'll bring some salad. I'll bring a dessert. Good. I'll do a main dish. But you just come together and you enjoy that time together. And if we try to do it over four months, maybe you do it every three or four weeks, you know, and uh, it should be done. Um, yeah, so I'm going to hand this around now. Sign up if you want to do that. Again, I want to encourage you guys to invest into fellowship and to engage. So I would love for everybody to sign up. Some of you guys would be like, but I don't want to host anybody. That's okay. Join a group and someone else will host on your behalf. Woohoo! Fun. So um, fellowship's good. Amen. Amen. Yesterday, I got together, tons of different brothers. Fellowship was good. It was fun. Okay? 
Joe, Brian, James, and Isaac were building shelves over at the pantry yesterday. Did you guys have fellowship during that time? Was it good? Yeah, you can have fellowship while you work. The men got together yesterday morning and prayed. That's good fellowship, <laughs> you know? We're fellowshipping this morning. It's good. We're going to have potluck afterwards. Great opportunity to sit down, talk about the Lord with a brother or sister. We have those opportunities for fellowship. The youth yesterday, they're out on the ice, building fires on an ice. Did it actually break through? But anyways, I saw pictures from it. It just blessed my heart. Here's the young adults of our church getting together enjoying fellowship and i get to hear from my boys the, the all my kids got to go out with sunny yesterday and hang out with the youth group and they just love that time with their older brothers and sisters in christ just enjoying fellowship so fellowship is good amen, amen. all right now we're going to talk about breaking of bread um hey there's koinonia cuisine nice i made that up this morning fun huh um, so we've looked at doctrine, fellowship, now the breaking of bread. This, of course, is speaking of the Lord's Supper. Okay, some of you guys were just like, what, eating? They ate? Yeah, well, that's a part of it. But this is specifically talking about communion. And the, something I want you guys to catch, too, when it comes to the breaking of bread, the church started doing it immediately. Did you see that? I mean, they just beginning, and communion is a part of what they're going to do. Now, I want you guys to look up on the screens and catch this, okay? We're told to do communion in remembrance of Jesus, right? So do this. So there's an obedience aspect to it for us as believers. We're supposed to do it in remembrance of me, Jesus said. So we need to remember what? His redemptive work. Remember what he has done until he comes. So as we come to the Lord's table together, it's speaking to us there is a future hope. Because if we didn't have hope, man, what's the point? What's the point? You know, if we didn't have hope of eternal life with Jesus, man, I would have tried to sleep in this morning. I wouldn't have gone to church. You know, it would be all about me. But hey, Christ has given us eternal life. Okay, right here and now. It's not about the now. This life's a vapor we're to be living for him okay and as we do that we have a hope because of what he's done and he says take this and divide it among yourselves you guys see we're fellowship unity one body um, together so some reasons for communion together the lord commanded it right <laughs> do this in remembrance of me also to preserve doctrine I want you guys to think about that for a second. The Lord wanted to preserve the truth throughout the ages, proclaiming his death till his coming, right? It's a doctrinal thing. He doesn't want us to forget that. There is going to be an eminent return of Christ. Some churches, believers, don't like talking about that. No, he is coming. That is a hope we have. We're to comfort one another with that truth. He is coming for us, guys. And also, it's to preserve the unity of the church. You guys can jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. It's where the Apostle Paul said, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body 
for we all partake of that one bread. So you see that the Corinthian church, it was split. There was division. Okay, I support Paul. I follow Apollos. You know, um, no, Peter's the man. I mean, there's division that was going on. So when you come to the communion table, you must forget Paul, Apollos, Peter, Calvin, me. It's not about anybody but who? Jesus. You see why it's so important? You only see Jesus. Remember me. Look to me. That's what he wants to do. So there's a safeguard for new converts against the danger of uh, superficiality, if that's a word. <laughs> but you, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, because there's something genuine, something real in that. So purposely, we left communion for this time uh, in the study. So we're going to do this together because it's something God's asked us to do together as the church. So I'm going to have the uh, worship team come back up. If I have a couple of the guys pass out the elements. Um, now, we all know the scripture that says when you guys at church do communion together, you got to play a worship song. <laughs> no, the Bible doesn't say that. But we do do that a lot. And I like it because we are one voice singing together just the truths the praise to our god and that is something that i think is very special that we get to do even for us that don't sing too well we get to join in um but that's why we do that so our last one for this morning we looked at the word of god the importance of fellowship bread we also saw the early church was given to prayer. So these four things, very important, right? Um, as we consider prayer together, let's uh, first say what it's not. Prayer is not saying your prayers. Okay, um, It's not hurrying through some memorized phrases. It's not, let's recite the Lord's Prayer together really fast. When we, when we come together, um, prayer, prayer, well, what is prayer? What is real prayer together? Well, it's when we're filled with the Spirit of God and we're praying ab-libbed. Okay? It's just in the moment. What is God doing then? It's praying willingly, freely, praying for one another. Okay? There's a bunch of us around the table upstairs before service today praying together, which you guys are always invited to join us at 45 on Sunday mornings before service. I really enjoyed prayer this morning together with my brothers and sisters. It was just really good. I enjoyed it. That's been the highlight so far of my day. I've been up since 2.30. You know? I've had my quiet time with Jesus, and I really, this has been the best part of my day so far, is just praying, going before the throne of God with brothers and sisters. You know, For me, it's the sweetest spot that I've found, is praying with brothers and sisters. So... I want you guys to open um, your Bibles. You might have closed them with communion. Open them back up to Acts. Look in chapter 4 with me for a second. Chapter 4. This is where uh, we're going to look at verse 23 and on. But this is where Peter and John got arrested. You guys know the story? 
Okay, they were arranged, set free on one condition that they don't perform any more miracles or speak or preach Jesus. Um, so it was a pretty serious thing going on here in the early church. Uh, let's take a look here at verse 23 together in chapter 4. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard it, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose uh, determined before it was done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done throughout the name of of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had assembled together was shaken. How cool would that be? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So we see prayer is so important. We see it throughout the book of Acts. It's what the church did together. Well, here, let me share a couple more with you guys. Jump over to chapter 6. Okay? God's establishing the church. And we read in verse 4, but we're going to give ourselves what? Continually to prayer. They saw the importance of it. God's doing things. People are getting saved. We're going to give ourselves to the word and to prayer. That's how important prayer is, guys. There's all this other stuff going on. We need to be praying. Jump over to chapter 7. Look at verse 60 with me. Then when he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So even in the midst of persecution, guys, we need to be praying. Look at chapter 10 together. Verse 2. It says, A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God, what? Always in prayer. Go to chapter 12, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. That's just a few examples that we're going to get to in the book of Acts. But we see them praying. The church prayed. We need to be a church of prayer. So, And it's crazy when you think about it. The authority, Satan himself. I mean, the church was just birthed. It was a baby. And Satan was after already to take her out, to exterminate the church. And they fought. And how did they fight? By praying. We need to pray. Why don't we see the church doing more? 
Why are we losing ground? Why does it seem like Satan's getting the victory? Church, do we pray? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, pray, are we willing to do that? I want to look at a few things. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And considering what prayer is, I want to give you guys three points because that's what pastors are supposed to do. Keep it simple for the people. Just three points. <laughs> you guys hang around here long enough, you're not going to get a whole lot of three-pointers. But there just happened to be three that came up here. First thing that I see when we consider what prayer is, it's to enter the holiest place. Okay? The holiest place. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Jump down to verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in the fullness of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to, cle or to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So it's getting to go in. I mean, for centuries, there was only one guy once a year that was able to go into that most holy place. This side of the cross, guys, every single child of God gets to boldly come before the throne of grace. We have confidence the curtain was rent top to bottom when Christ was hung on that tree, crucified. Everything went black. There was an earthquake right up the mountaintop there. The temple was ripped in half. The curtain was ripped in half. The holy place was finally open. Anyone, God was declaring that day that he laid down his life. Hey, you can enter in now. The sacrifice has been made. Come boldly. All can come now. So we get to come because of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. So prayer then is entering into his very presence. Isn't that cool to think about? Why is it so sweet to pray with brothers and sisters? Wherever two or three are together in my name, I'm in the midst. There's something very sweet about being in the presence of God. The second thing. It's having thanksgiving. You see, we realize when we pray who God is and what he's done. A lot of us walk around in self-pity. Woe is me. Life stinks. good cure for that is to pray. <laughs> wow, that's who you are, God. Thank you, God. It'll change your thinking. See, thanksgiving will have a very prominent part of our prayer life. And the third thing that I see, it's having supplication. Let your requests be made known to God, right? Philippians 4, 6, we're told to do that. So some requests, need of humility, need of help, need of strength, need boldness, God. I, I need mercy. I need your grace. We get to go and we get to ask of him. I need help being a dad, a husband. I need help being a pastor. I need help just getting out of bed today. I need help. <laughs> we can bring those things to God. Whatever it is, no matter how big or how small, we get to come and make those requests. So it's not easy to keep walking straight ahead to keep pure and clean in a dirty world. We need his help. 
And all we need to do is ask. So this is why the early Christians prayed. So the test isn't whether you talk cleverly in prayer. Like, ooh, check out my cool prayer. No! whoop de doo God wants our heart engaged in our prayers. Are you being real? You know, some of the most real prayers I've ever had before God is, God, I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's my prayer. I don't even know what to say. It just sucks right now. I need you. I'm just going to sit here. I don't know. God just wants us to be real. Just be real with him. So the test is, do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Do you? Do you want to know him? Are you seeking his face? Because really God, isn't he the inspirer and the hearer of our prayers? Yeah, let me tell you what. My good prayer times, it's the Holy Spirit. It's just taking that time to be before him. <coughs> it's just sweet. Um, I want to share a quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, it really hits on, you know, prayer's answer, answers the plea. He said this, If only I could find somebody who could, at one, in the same time, understand us and sympathize with us, and yet be capable of standing in God's holy presence and know him also. I love that. That's what we get to do when we pray. So as we pray together, the presence of God will be realized and his power will be received. We need to pray. And I encourage you guys, bring everything to God in prayer. Bring it to prayer. There's a lot of things going on in life, a lot of things we'd like to see as we consider the church today. You know, I'd love to get input from you guys. Do we have everything figured out? The things we could be doing differently? Probably. Can we consider those things? Absolutely. Before you come up to me and say, hey, pastor, we should do this. Pray about it first. <laughs> Bring it to the Lord. Before you come to me and say, hey, so-and-so's in sin. <laughs> what are we going to do about that? Pray. Pray. So a lot of times when a brother needs to be confronted, <laughs> when I pray for them, before I go talk to them, my heart's really changed in what should be said to them. <laughs> and sometimes nothing's ever said to them. The Lord says, no, son, you love them and keep praying for them. Prayer is good. So we pray together. We have to experience the power of God. And this is really a safeguard then for new converts against the danger of independence. You guys see that? God hasn't asked us to go it alone. He wants us together and a part of being a church, a fellowship. Is we get to pray for one another and with each other. And uh, be real. We have closed group on Facebook. One of the things I love about it, you guys are asking for prayer all the time. you know, And I love that. And I do appreciate it. There's times I ask for prayer and you guys just, you know, hitting like or, you know, just typing out praying, that means a lot. That means a lot. I specifically asked two nights ago for a good night of sleep. I didn't sleep well the night before. I didn't sleep good last night. But two nights ago when I asked for prayer, I had to teach at a conference yesterday. I wanted to be 
refreshed, ready to go. Best night of sleep I've honestly had in a very, very long time. God answers prayers. We need to be praying for one another, guys. So ask. Now, as we wrap things up this morning, let's go back to Acts chapter 2. We're going to see the results of doing Acts 2.42, okay? If we do this, okay? If we're in God's word, if we're taking fellowship seriously, if we're really investing, okay? Breaking bread together, engaging with one another, praying together. If we're doing these things, what are the results going to be? Don't you guys love the results show? You guys ever watch, what's that show called? America's Got Talent? And then they have the results show. You get to see all this stuff. And they're like, what's going to happen? You know? That's this right here. What's going to happen? If a church does this, what's going to happen? What are the results? We'll take a look at verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed, they were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and their goods and they divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I think that's pretty cool. Those are good results. These are good things. So results coming out of verse 42 here. We see in verse 43, it was so real. It was powerful. God was doing things. So real. There was an awe. There was a reverence that people had for God. Wouldn't it be cool if we all had that reverence? Hey, this is a holy thing. We're having church. Okay? Just to be in awe of God. And very powerful things, miracles began to happen. Can God do miracles today? Absolutely. I'd love to see miracles. Okay? That would be cool. Do we seek after signs and wonders? No, we seek Jesus. But as we seek Jesus, guess what happens? Miracles happen. So, verse 44 and 45, common, koina, okay? They had this everything in common. It was not actual communism, okay, because it was voluntary, wasn't it? This is what they were choosing to do. But they held all their property ready for the use of the common good as there was a need, okay, as things come up. You know, we're on a budget here at Freedom, you know. Every month it's just like, hey, we're going to hit our budget. Some months we do, some months we don't. It always works out, you know, but there's more that we'd like to do. It would be so great as a need presents itself that, hey, we got it. <laughs> we don't have to finagle or figure out some way to, to be able to help out, <laughs> to be able to do that for one another. Okay, Tracy made up a board outside of needs in the church. Utilize it. There's nothing on there. How can we help one another unless you guys humble yourselves and let needs be known? Let a need be known. We're the body. We are to be working together, helping one another out. So this situation appears nowhere else in Scripture except what took place here 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, which was evidently very special conditions going on, right? Okay, Jesus just died, just sent it into heaven. The church is being established. Something unique, okay? Um, it did not continue that way permanently, yet it's not an excuse for us not to do something, right? There is, or there 
was a common faith among these people. They believed. Okay, communal fellowship were together. Community of goods. They had all things in common. Verse 45 really speaks about being unselfish here. Okay, so it was reciprocal, mutual love for a new community. Okay, we're to do good to all, correct? But doesn't the Bible say especially to those of the household of faith? Okay, we need to be there for one another. So giving is one of the essential marks of a true Christian life. Okay, it proves the reality of profession. So where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. Jesus told us that. So we are to be generous. God is a giver by nature. God so loved the world that he gave. We should be givers also. Their relationship with each other was so strong that they couldn't tolerate anyone in the church not having their materials needs being met. Hey, we see that brother in need. We're going to do something. We're going to help. So while others enjoyed uh, relative prosperity, they made sure everybody was being taken care of. And as there were needs, they'd sell something off in their for- to help out the family member in need. So going beyond what the tithe was at the time, helping out. In verse 46, they were in the temple. That's public worship, correct? And then house to house, that's domestic fellowship. Are you guys part of a small group? Okay, we have small groups going on. Get plugged in. I know that there's going to be some starting up within the next month, some new small groups. Get plugged in, okay? They're always happening. Well, I don't got what I want to do. Start one, okay? But it's good to get together. Get into the word with brothers and sisters. They shared meals together, then the Lord's Supper. So this is biblically calling and a mandate to eat all the time when we get together. Do you guys see that? Okay, we get to eat as believers. I love it. Um, Do you guys know that we have a potluck after service? (laughs) It's good to do that. Verse 47, and we'll wrap it up. Um, The 120 were outnumbered, okay? Yet there was a harmony in the church family. They worshiped daily. They witnessed daily. The Lord added to the church daily. So is your experience with the Lord a daily one? I guess that's the application here. They were doing it every day. Well, pastor, I thought that's what Sundays were for. This is kind of like dessert. (laughs) We need to be doing life together. I'm so busy. (laughs) Stop watching Netflix. (laughs) Make time. Make it happen. I just look at this, guys, and I got to say, wow, what a church. What a church. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Okay? And I get glimpses. I see, you guys know me. I'm a visionary. I'm so looking forward. You know, I have a hard time looking back. Like, God, what do you want to do? Let's go. Let's do it. You know, but the Lord in recent year, <laughs> years is, is trying to slow me down. You know, and I've had an opportunity to spend some time this last year reflecting. Okay, what has God done at Freedom in the last 10 years? You know, there's a lot of good things that have happened that I've just taken for granted because I'm always looking at what's not happening. But man, God has done a lot. And I think he's got a lot more in store. And I want to encourage you guys to engage, to invest. This is your church, okay? You are the church. You guys get that? It's not this building. It's not any one person. We're the church, are you going to invest? Are you going to engage in it? And that's what I'd like you guys to do. I handed out cards at the beginning of service. 
And on the back, there's a place for comments. I want you guys, uh, I'd love for you to hand them in today, but maybe you want to take them home this week and pray over it. But I want you guys just to write down an area or a place that you say, I need to engage. I need to invest personally in my church family in this way. Because I really want to pray for you guys. Something uh, that I am choosing to do, and it's hard. You guys can pray for me in this way. But I shared with you guys before, out of Acts 6, verse 4, that they gave themselves to prayer into the word. That's something that's kind of been neglected in my ministry because there's so much other things to be done, the doing. I'm trying to flip-flop that, okay? I quit other ministry, other job to give myself fully to Freedom Fellowship. And what a big part of that is, is to be praying for you guys, to be praying for our church. And I want you guys to write down on those cards things that God's impressing upon your heart. And I want to pray for you guys specifically in those things. I want to come alongside you guys in that. We need each other. We need to be working together. And I want you guys to really seek the Lord. This is your church. Okay? It's going to be as good <laughs> as you put into it. Does that make sense? There's an investment. I think about retirement. I have no retirement plans. It's something Sunday and I probably should talk about. But anyways, <laughs> some people plan for that. How does that look? And it's only going to be as good as you invest into it. And that's what I want to encourage you guys. Hey, God's given me time. He's given me talent. He's given me treasures. What am I to do with that? What is God asking me to do with that, with my church family? So I'd love for you guys to write those down on the cards. Um, and please fill out the front too because we want to update our directory, make sure we're all together that way too. Um, yeah, let's stand together. I kind of felt like we had a family meeting this morning, which I've been wanting to do for a long time. And it's so cool because just going through the scriptures, it just happens. There's times where we need to kind of pause and reflect. Okay, <laughs> what are you asking us to do, God? You guys, he's got good in view. I believe, I truly believe, as we love each other, that we're going to see the world's going to know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. As we really do church, really love each other and be the church, I believe people are going to come to know Jesus. And uh, I think a lot of you guys are like me in that way. We want to see people come to know Jesus. Um, so, now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray. <laughs> Father, we just want to commit uh, just these truths that you've laid out in your word about church, God, your divine design. Uh, just help us to be doers of it. God, we want to do it well. We want to do it decently in order. God, we want you to be the center of every part of it, Father. God, may you be glorified. Amen.